family and welcome to episode two of Screw the Influencers, the day I found my purpose. If you want to be happy, it's going to have to be a lifestyle switch. And if you want to be happy, you're going to have to do the work in deep. Quick fixes become better diets to take back your time and live your life for you. Because if you want to be happy, it's going to have to be a lifestyle switch. Welcome back. Uh, either you haven't heard the first episode or you were glutton for punishment or you liked it. That's 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 also quite worrying. Um, <laughs> so I thought it'd be quite fun to start um, these episodes with a little life update, which will get a little bit confusing as I quite often like to record things ahead of time. So um, might not be <laughs> you might have been like, ah, this happened like months ago. I saw this on Instagram. Um, but yeah, just gives you a little bit of insight into the crazy life of my brain. So we have just started composting. That's probably the most exciting thing that's going on at the moment. We've had a wormery for quite a while um, that my partner and my daughter manage and we wanted some more. Now we've got more space um, since we moved to, we want to do some grow your own. Um, so tomatoes, cucumbers, strawberries we've tried before um, that have all gone fairly well. The strawberry crop last year was about four and the squirrel stole three of them. Um, so I'm kind of hoping we have a bit more of a, a strawberry crop this year, but we did move middle of like growing season. We had to move plants and things last year, but... So we wanted to start doing more compost. My partner wants, we were gonna get hot compost. So I started to put together a community compost group um, on WhatsApp of the people in our street because you get through food waste quite quickly in a hot compost. And we're actually really good at not making very much food waste. Um, we don't eat meat, so we don't tend to have bones and things like that to go in our compost or eggshells or anything like that. Um, and we eat a lot of our vegetables with like the skin on. We don't peel carrots anymore. We uh, rarely peel potatoes, depends what we're making, but quite often I'll like keep the peelings and like bake them or fry them up and use them for something else as well. So we don't actually make very much food waste. Um, so we've ended up going for a new normal composter and we're gonna see how it goes, but I've got the WhatsApp group ready um, and I'm gonna make up a little infographic of what we're gonna put in there because we want it to align with our life. So. We will take eggshells um, because they are actually very good for composting and it's not too hard for us to deal with them. But we won't take any like meat waste and things like that. And we don't want any like egg insides of eggs in there and things. So I need to draw up a little a little picture graphic of what can go in the community compost. And then I think at some point it would be really fun to have a hot composter and, and make compost for the street and us all sort of share it around. I think that'd be a really nice, fun community project to work on. Um, but my partner's kind of the one that heads up the composting and he just wants to do it how he wants to do it for the moment. And I'm okay with that. So uh, something for the future, but um, we've at least started making steps forward. We bought some composter accelerator so that it started it sort of composting down a bit faster. We haven't got the space to have like too many composts and normally people would have a couple rotating and um, they're really into it, but that's kind of like the end goal eventually in sort of six years when we look to move on from this house um, is to have enough space to have a couple of like rolling composts and, and, and that kind of thing. It's very, something we're like very into as part of the recycling stuff that we 
do. Uh, Podcast-wise, I'm obsessed with We Can Do Hard Things. Um, I've got that phrase, We Can Do Hard Things, stuck on a poster on my wall in my office. Um, I love the in-depth conversations that they go into and the just unafraid conversations that they have. Um, brave, not unafraid, actually, that's wrong. The, the brave conversations that they have. Um, and I'm going back and listening to the old episodes and I've just finished the two episodes where they talk about sex, um, which is very, very fascinating. And... Um, but let's get into today's topic, which is the day I found my purpose. I would like to put a trigger warning on here for anyone that is struggling with fertility, fertility-related issues, and that is something that I am going to touch on in this episode. For me, I can trace back finding my purpose to when I was 15 and at school in biology class. And I remember they put on, I don't remember anything from biology apart from this lesson. They put on that video of someone giving birth. I think it's meant to make like all the girls cross their legs and all the boys behave themselves and no one ever want to have sex again. Like they show like the baby's head coming out and all of that kind of thing. And all the, I could just see everyone else sort of clam up and I went, oh, I want to be a mum. That was all I wanted. That was what I wanted. I wanted to be a mum. I was at really academic school and my secondary school and this bit of sick form that I stayed for and um, very academic school. And that just wasn't really a career path, <laughs> apparently. And apparently you have to have a career path. And so straight away I was like, oh, well, I've got to have a career to like pay for being able to want to be a mum. But I knew then that that was what I wanted to be. I wanted to, wanted to be a mum. And then just before my 17th birthday, I was very, very ill and taken to hospital and they did lots of exploratory things um, and they ended up having to do surgery and loads of my internal organs were in the wrong places. There was like poisonous fluid thing going on that they had to drain. They put my organs back where they were meant to be. Um, they took my appendix out while they were in there, but that was sort of just kind of by the by. It was inflamed, but it wasn't the problem. And... Um, and they put everything back where it was meant to be, took all the fluid out, took my appendix out and hoped that it would stay. And they were like, we're hoping the organs just stay in the right place. But if they don't, then we will have to go back in and we've got a bigger problem. But let's just hope that they do. And I was in intensive care, but because I was I was 16. So in theory, I was still a child. But because it was surgical, I'd been put through as an adult. So I started out on adult wards and I was put through surgery like as an adult and apparently they'd have done more like keyhole related surgery or something if they had me down as a child and then afterwards I got transferred back to the children's ward not back to the children's ward I got transferred to the children's ward and dealt with as a child um which is really frustrating because I was in intense I was in like the adult like intensive care and treated as an adult and I was very tall so you take one look at me you would think I was older and, and things anyway but I just remember being in intensive care and asking something around I already knew that I just wanted to be a mum and I was like asking can I still have kids and I said no no don't think you're gonna be able to have children and um, so the, the I was in sort of the haze of intensive care and my mum wasn't there and yeah it was all a bit much um and 
had some lovely, lovely nurses, a nurse called Jojo, and I remember her name because I named, I got a bunny for my 17th birthday and I named my bunny after her. She was Jojo and, and she was lovely. And basically it turned out there was a lot of scarring, internal scarring and things. Um, and they, they were pretty sure that that was going to be a no on the kids front. Uh, then add to that that I was being told that the things that I wanted to even the degrees I was considering were being told they weren't proper degrees so I went to my career guidance person at school and I said I wanted to do um interior design and was told that wasn't a real degree and then I looked at wanting to do performing arts I didn't want to perform myself I loved like production direction um and also the idea like the creative not the being on the stage bit which I'd never managed to articulate for such a long time. It was really hard. Like people thought that you, because you wanted to be into performing arts, that you wanted to be an actor or an actress on the stage. And I'm like, it took me, I wish I'd realised, but in hindsight, I love the the directing, the producing, the the creating of the concept, that side of of, of theatre and, and performance and movies and all that. That's the bit I absolutely love. And... Um, but I wanted to go into it to be a teacher. I wanted a performing arts degree and, and go into to being a drama teacher. And but that wasn't a real degree either. Um, and obviously just this concept of being 16, 17 and being like, well, I want to be a mum is was just not a thing. They were just like, no, this is not no, 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 you have to have like a career and a job and do well at your exams and all these things first. Um, and it wasn't that I wanted to be a mum right then and there. It wasn't that I wanted to be a 16-year-old mum. It was just that I wanted to be a mum. I knew that was my purpose. And then, so carry on life. There's a few other things that went on in between these things that I won't go into right now. They're episodes in themselves. But get on to 19. I've been having loads and loads of issues with, I'd, I'd go like three, four months and not have a period. And I had like loads of weird pains, loads of weird side effects and they explored them all and they did um, some scans and things and it came back at 19, they said I had a PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And basically I was just told that and told that I wouldn't, because of it, I wouldn't be able to have kids. And that was it. Like then I was just shoved out into the world and with like no explanation of how to manage the, like the symptoms that I'd gone in with, they'd found a reason for the symptoms, but then they hadn't found out how to actually deal with them. And I think I just sort of accepted that for a long time. And then years later I got annoyed that I'd just been sent out into the world with no information. I mean, now looking back, I understand that there was lack of information around PCOS in general, and there still is quite often. But there was also lack of information around how important it was to inform the person with PCOS about things. To have even said, look, we don't understand very much about it. Hopefully we will over the years. Like, keep checking back in with your GP. Um, I'm sure there was an NHS website then, but... It, maybe it wasn't really a thing since it was quite a long time ago I do there was the internet it was definitely there was the internet that existed already and I built websites by this point so yeah there was definitely the internet um but I do think there was a lack of still a lack of understanding about how much better you can feel just by being empowered with information then um and the detrimental impact of 
to a woman being told that you can't have kids or that there's a very high chance you can't have kids. I don't think we really appreciated the mental health implications of something like that. And I don't know, I feel like that's probably an episode in itself as well, is the how much as a female, even ones that don't have that strong draw like me to wanting to be a mum, how much our self-worth is tied up in our ability to create life. Even, even those people that don't want to have children have spoken about how they struggle with that, that like, it's like you're only partly a woman and society makes you feel like you're only partly a woman, which isn't correct. I don't think every woman wants or needs to have kids. If like, it's such a personal choice. And um, while overpopulation is like another debate, it's more how we use our resources as opposed to the number of humans that we've got. Um, and I've got a friend that explains it much better than me. Um, but it's, we don't need everyone to have children for society to survive. Like there are other amazing things that women can contribute to the world. We're not just baby making machines, but society so heavily lays it upon us that we are, and that we are less than if we are physically unable to do that. Um, and even people that are naturally maternal, you don't have to be, you don't have to use that on your own kids. You don't have to use that on your children that you've given birth to. You don't have to use that for adopted children or stepchildren. Like there are other ways in which our maternal things can, our maternal skills um, and natural traits can be used for good within the world. I mean, look at it. The world at the moment's a mess. The world needs a mum. The world needs maternal people to look after it, be it composting or going more plant-based or pick, litter picking or coming up with sustainable energy solutions, whatever it might be. Um, that is also maternal. That is also that looking after the world needs looking after. There are grown-ass people that need looking after. Um, so I think there is there are many ways in which we can use our natural maternal thing as women. And not all women are naturally maternal it is a generalization but I think because we are perceived to be naturally maternal that if we then don't have a child it's just like well you're not fulfilling this like part of of who you are like you've got a womb use it or lose like and it's just not it's not a correct narrative as far as I am concerned and um, there are people that end up um really regretting having children because they felt like they love their children, but they feel like this wasn't, they shouldn't have been a parent, that it wasn't the right path for them, but they felt forced down it by society. And that is really, really sad. Um, and a really, really hard thing to live with because you very, it's very rare that people don't love their children, even if they have that, oh, this wasn't the right route for me. And, and I think it's an incredibly brave thing to admit that, I am a woman and I don't want children because of how much society has drummed into us um, and drummed into other people. So not only do you think that, oh, you're failing because you're a woman who doesn't want to have kids, you also are aware that other people probably think that too. And it's just not, it's not correct. It's not how things should be. Um, and as women standing up for 
equality and women's rights like we should also believe that we have the right to choose whether whether or not we want to have children um for me I very much wanted them and I now had at 19 two things that I've been told that was going to stop that happening um I did um I got married in my early 20s and that is definitely another whole story and I'm gonna have to be careful with that story because it's also a story that belongs to um at least four other people um my my ex-husband and his three children it's a story that's that's all of ours so I will have to be selective around that story and it will very much be my version of events and I will try and remember to make that very very clear when I do that episode um but going back to the fact that I'd found my purpose and then not only was I being told that medically it wasn't possible but also society was telling me that I should want a career and I should want to be ambitious while also telling me that as a woman I was meant to procreate and I wasn't able to do that and um, with my my ex-husband we did look at fertility treatments and there was complications with ticking boxes basically with ticking boxes to get further along the list uh, for NHS but even some of them were saying that we had to tick certain boxes to even be able to go private with certain things even if we could have afforded to pay for things that you have to meet certain criteria for them to even look at that and I believe these things were either either they were told to us inaccurately or they've changed and evolved now and it is slightly easier to get a bit more investigation uh, both NHS and uh, and private now and in obviously different countries different stories different rules and um, but we then started progressing down looking at adoption routes and it long and short of it is that it wasn't going to be viable going down that route um, and and I am very lucky that I got my miracle baby um, with my current partner and hopefully my forever partner. Um, my my ex husband is a lovely person, but we weren't we weren't meant to be together. Long and short of it is we weren't meant to be together. And um, I do believe that me and my current partner are there is much stronger ties and just whole yeah whole other story. And um, don't. <laughs> quite how to explain that one because like I said it's other people's stories as well intertwined in there um, and who knows what the future holds but I very much feel like he's someone that I do he's someone I want to grow old with and I've never experienced that with someone he's someone that I want to do life with he's someone I like actively want to do the good the bad and the ugly with and 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 experience everything that has that there is in life and um, with and so we are very, very lucky that one, we have each other, two, we have this amazing, amazing little girl, but three, that I got to fulfil my purpose, even though it wasn't like the route that was planned. She was a little surprised because I like, <laughs> didn't think I could have kids. Like it, it, she's just amazing um, and a blessing in so, so many ways. And it's hard still though like I knew at 15 in that biology lab watching that video that I wanted to be a mum and then I had society telling me that to want that was wrong while society was telling me that I should be doing that if I was a real woman while doctors were telling me that I couldn't do that <laughs> and then adoption agencies were telling me that I couldn't do that either 
um, to then get it and still feel like you've got this pressure from society that you're meant to say that that's not enough. I mean, there are so many ways in which women are influenced into feeling like they are meant to be a certain thing. And then there's all these things that we're meant to be that all conflict. So we are want to meant, we're meant to want to be a mum, but we are meant to want to also have a career and be fiercely independent and not rely on anyone, but also need a community, but also want to stay at home with our children but also want to go out to work but also want to have fun we are also want to be meant to be strongly sexually independent but we are also meant to be sexually submissive and not give away our virtue and we are meant to be a, a lady on the streets and a freak in the bed to quote some god awful song that I grew up with it's there's always these different fighting things and we are being in some cases, influenced by the same people to be two things that don't go together. And I can so see that it's like being pulled in two different directions when you're like, your soul is saying, I want to be a mum and I want to stay. Like I was like, I want to be with this, with this amazing human all the time. But I still feel that pressure from society that I'm also meant, meant also meant to want like a career and how does that go in together and I do love the work that I do um I love the coaching work that I do but I am not afraid to drop everything and just be mum and um, and when people ask for like intros and stuff and I'm like well I'm first and foremost mummy I am very happy just being called F's mummy um and and people not knowing my name like I don't care and I know some people do, and that is their prerogative, but I don't. But I still get those little inkling moments with society where I feel, I'll feel judged because I'm not a fully stay-at-home mum, and then I'll be judged because I'm a partial stay-at-home mum, and then if I, I go through a phase where I'm just being a stay-at-home mum, I get judged for that. But if I wanted to be a full-time working mum, I get judged for that. Like There's, there's all these out external influences telling us what we are meant to feel, how we are meant to be, and that we are not complete unless we are all these things, but all these things conflict. How can we be complete if we are constantly trying to complete ourselves with things that conflict each other? Like, there's just not a thing. Um, there is no, like, right or wrong way to parent. Abuse, like, actual abuse aside within the normal parameters of parenting. I'm, I'm not gonna advocate for abuse, but uh, within the normal parameters of parenting, like whether you choose to work full time or you have to work full time. Um, neither, like, cause that's the other thing people are like, but if you don't have to work, why would you? And it's like, because that's how you are complete. That's what works for you. But if you don't have to work, and you don't want to work, but you're still working because society has influenced you into thinking that that is what has to be. How is that okay? Like, how? How is that all right? How are we ever, as human beings, meant to find peace if we are listening to so many of these external influences? I feel like episode two, you've already got why I've named this podcast Screw the Influencers. Um, it's not just about a social media thing. It's such a bigger concept behind the word that I just don't like. Um, 
And this is definitely a big part of that story for me. Um, and lots of these episodes will go into the stories, but this parenthood purpose conflict that I have dealt with on so many levels for years has like torn me in so many different directions. And I think that having my daughter and her needing me more and more, like everyone's like, oh, they need you so much when they're tiny. She needs me more and more every day. She just needs me in different ways. And I need to be true to me and show up as me if I'm going to have any hope in heck of being able to help her how she needs me. And she doesn't belong to me. I belong to her. I am in service of her. I brought her into the world. Um, she didn't ask to be born. I brought her into the world. I am in her service as her mum. And part of that is making sure that I am fit, healthy, happy so that I'm a good role model to her as well. So they all intertwine. Like this isn't about like being completely self, um, uh, completely sacrificing yourself for her. Because if I sacrificed myself, then I am not capable of serving anymore. I need to be fit and healthy and happy and a good role model, all those kind of things, if I am going to be able to be of service to her. That is how I view motherhood and for me, that's finding that balance and being like, I don't need to work all the time. I can't do that. And actually quite often with childcare costs, it doesn't even end up financially viable to work all the time for the extra money. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as simple as that. Like, it's not like, oh, I'll just go work more and then I'll have more money because that usually means you have to spend more on childcare and other things um, and guilt treats to like make up for the fact that you work more, which never makes up for it either. Like you can't, yeah. Um, so as much as I felt back when I was 15 that that was my purpose, it's probably taken me like the, the other 10 years, 10 years, 20 years. Um, so I'm coming up 35. It's taken me another like 20 years to get to the start of the journey of that purpose of actually having my little girl but also to feel confident to put a middle finger up at society and and external influence and say no 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 this is my purpose and I'm happy with it I'm not I'm not seeking anything else I am enjoying the journey of happiness and self-development and growth but seeking more beyond my purpose right now I don't need to do because this is this is the chapter in my life and I feel very content in the purpose that I have within this chapter of my life and I know that that is also a privilege because many people are still like struggling and clutching around and trying to find that purpose feeling and find that thing that they connect with and I think unless you go out and try lots of things that's quite hard to do and then we also have that problem that we're then called flaky and flighty and whatever all those kind of derogatory words that get thrown at women that try lots of different things um and and I had those things thrown at me as well growing up a lot of the time and um, thanks mum and dad <laughs> um but it is it is a privilege and I'm going to honour that privilege of finding my purpose um, now by enjoying it and embracing it and not letting anyone take that away from me. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have, I would love to leave if you left me a five star rating and review. Um, if you haven't enjoyed it, don't worry, just switch it off. I'll see you next time. 
If you want to be happy, it's going to have to be a lifestyle switch. And if you want to be happy, you're going to have to do the work in deep. Quick fixes become fads and diets to take back your time and live your life for you. Because if you want to be happy, it's going to have to be a lifestyle switch.